programming. But it's all right, I got the mic. So we're going to go with it. We sang that song again. You're probably like, man, we got to sing this song again? It's because I like it. <laughs> no, but more importantly, you know, we believe in this church, and I hope you feel that when you're singing it, or maybe the person next to you singing, whether they're in tune or out of tune, it doesn't matter. Maybe you sense, man, this powerful love and some overwhelming feeling that comes on you as you, as you see those words, as you read those words, as you sing those words. There's no other name but the name of Jesus. We believe in this church that worship changes the atmosphere. Worship changes what goes on in your life. There's a lot of stories in the Bible, and we believe in this. From front to back, we believe in this here at this church. But there's a lot of stories in the Bible that talk about worship. Powerful moments where if you just began to profess and proclaim the praises of Jesus, things in your life will start to change. The bondage that you're in, the sin that you're walking through, the, the trial you're walking through. See, I'm going to preach for a second. Is that all right? Yes. See, we, we are part of a world today where we sing a lot of songs. You know, we all know those Drake lyrics. Maybe you don't listen to Drake. People are like, who's Drake? There's some people in here like looking at the person next to them. Who's Drake? Maybe you listen to some country music. Maybe you blast that in the car when it gets nice out. I do sometimes. Maybe you listen to whatever you listen to. And you sing it. And you lift your voice up to it. You lose your mind to it. But let me just tell you something. Drake ain't going to come pay your bills when you're broke. Drake's not going to take care of you when you're sick. Drake's not going to come heal a marriage when it's broken. It's not going to happen. See, we sing to all these things because we're creatures. That seed of promise in us is worship. We're created to be worshipers. You were created to be a worshiper. So I challenge us, before we dive into tonight's message, to take that to heart. Maybe that's the only thing you hear. Maybe you're a believer and you, you received Jesus already and you're just like, man, may, I've never been able to get into a time of worship and just sing and lift my voice. I challenge you. I encourage you. Because I promise you, it will start to change some stuff in your life. Amen? Amen. Back to the reg regular schedule programming. <laughs> Seed of promise. Tonight, we're going to talk about the greatest love story ever told. See, to me, this story that I'm about to share with you is truly, in my opinion, the greatest story of love ever told. See, we as individuals, as people, every single one of you, I don't care if you believe this or not, every single one of you, in my belief, has a desire to be loved. You do. Each and every one of you were created to be loved, to give love, to receive love. That seed is in each and every one of you. See, love doesn't have a definition because it's hard to put the words to it. When you fall in love, you're like, oh my gosh, I love her so much. I don't even know what I'm feeling, but it's love. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. You just attracted to her. Be honest with yourself. Love doesn't have a definition. We can't put words to it at times. But you know what? There's a, there's a promise to each and every one of us from heaven above. There's a promise. See, there's a, a promise, a seed of promise. The seed of promise is a promise of love. The greatest love that ever came to this earth. The greatest love you'll ever experience here on earth. See, that promise was the promise from God above to send Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you the end before we start. It's all right, we'll get there, promise. It was Jesus, Jesus Christ, fully man, sent to this earth to die, to take a death mission for you. 
to go on a death mission for you because that love that he has for each and every one of you is so real. I don't know what you've heard before in the past. I don't know what you've received. I don't know what seeds have put, been put into you. But Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not pointing the finger at you. He's not telling you all the things that you've done wrong. That's not Jesus. That's not the Jesus I believe in. Jesus is full of love and compassion and grace and mercy and kindness and gentleness. See, from the very beginning, Jesus created Adam and Eve in the garden. We all, most, most of us know that story. Created this beautiful garden for all of us to live in, to, to dwell in. That was his whole desire. But how many of you know Adam and Eve screwed that up for us? Thank you so much. And now we're here on earth. But in that moment, when mankind sinned, when mankind took that apple and ate it, God above said, you know what? I got a promise coming. I got a seed of promise coming. For each and every man, woman, child, no matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what color you are, no matter what status you are, I got a promise coming for you. I got a promise. Just hold on. I got a promise coming that's going to change everything. It's for you. It's for you. God moved with compassion and grace. Moved with compassion and grace. Knew that the seed had to be planted here on earth. He couldn't just operate it and do it up in heaven. He knew, just like that video showed, that he had to plant a seed here on earth. And that seed was Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Mark. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. There's Bibles in the back. If you don't own a Bible, if you don't have one, please take one. They're for you. You can put it under your shirt, whatever you feel comfortable doing. If it makes you feel more comfortable taking it, steal it. We don't care. It's yours. Do your thing. But if you have your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 15. And we're going to read the greatest love story ever told. Verse 21. And it says this. It's a bit of scripture, but stay with me. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgoth which means the place of the skull. When they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. Man, people are reminding Jesus of what he said, what he promised. How many of you love people that remind you of who you were? It's another story, another time. But they're shouting things like, Jesus, you said you were going to do this. Guess what? Now you're stuck on that cross. You ain't doing any of that. Thank God that Jesus is a lot more powerful than them. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine, vinegar, put it on a staff, and ordered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And this is, this is powerful. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he had died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Jesus, these are your words. Father, I pray tonight that you speak through me, that your words are my words. And Father, I pray that you pierce each and every heart here in this place tonight. God, no matter what people have walked in here with, no matter what they're going through, I pray, Father, that your love gravitates, holds them, reminds them that they are your child. You put them together from the beginning of time. So, Father, go before us this rest of this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Seed of promise. We all love promises. See, we all love to tell people we promise them something. We all love when promises are fulfilled, right? Shake your heads, because you, if you don't, you're lying. You love when someone holds true to their word, Correct? When they break their word, it's a little bit harder to trust them. It's a little bit harder to maybe get along with them. See, promises are vital. Promises are important. See, in the Trollio household, me and my wife, when a promise is told, when it comes to a certain thing, that promise better be upheld. The promise of going to get ice cream. Flat out. See, when ice cream is presented... No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're walking through, no matter where we're at, and the promise is, hey, babe, I'll take you for ice cream tonight. It's going to be fun. Y'all better know something about my wife. I better take her to get ice cream or I'm sleeping on the couch. True story. We love ice cream. We love it. I love being able to promise my wife, babe, you look good. I love you. We'll go get some ice cream. Just like that, that little pose. What am I doing? You know, you do something, you're like, what are you doing? See, we love holding true to promises. We love when we get married. If we're married in the room, you love when your spouse tells you the vows when you're standing there about to get married. And you know those vows are going to carry weight. They're going to hopefully carry till the end. We pray for marriage in this church. If you're married in this room, we're praying for you. Stay strong. Keep fighting the battle. Jesus is doing a lot more in your marriage than you think. But promises are real, and they're, they're, they're the things that we hold on to. When someone says something to you, you hold on to it. But we all know something. We're humans. Each and every one of you are humans sitting in this room. If you're not, please don't tell me. I don't want to know. But we're all humans. And as a human being, we're flawed. Great news, JP. We're flawed. We're broken. We're messed up we got things in us that were never intended to be in us. And so with that, we can't always keep our word. I can't always get her ice cream. I'm lying. She doesn't always get me ice cream. I'm really the one. i got an inner kid in me that's screaming for ice cream all the time. She doesn't hold true to her word. We're going to seek somebody after this to talk about it. But we break our promises all the time. We break them. You know what's amazing? We serve a God in heaven. That has never broken his promises. I don't care if you believe that. You can say amen to that. Because that's true and that's good news. 
There's a God in heaven from the very beginning of time that promised us, that said things would happen, that things were going to be formed, that things were going to be created, that life was going to take place, that he was going to remove people out of situations, out of those desert places. He was going to take this earth by storm when he sent Jesus here to pour out his love on this earth. Jesus was going to perform miracles. Jesus was going to perform signs. Jesus was going to perform every promise told to mankind. God holds his promises. We serve a God that holds his promise. That the person that we believe Jesus needed to come to this earth, needed to come down from heaven, needed to be here so that we didn't have to go to that cross. Oh yeah. The promise keeper. The promise keeper. You know, back in the day, if you grew up in the church, I think my dad used to always go to promise keepers. Like, that was such a dumb saying. Like, promise keepers, cool, dad, real cool. Yeah, awesome, go ahead, go. I was like, what does that mean, promise keepers? Man, because we need some people to start holding the promises. The promises that we made to Jesus that here's my heart. Here's my life. Take over, take control. And there's a God in heaven looking down going, I'm for you, I'm not against you. You've not done too much, my son, my daughter. You haven't gone too far this time, my son and daughter. You can come back home because my promise called Jesus is still alive today. You could say amen, church. This isn't a quiet church. Amen? amen. Drank too much espresso. <laughs> like Wired. Jesus coming to earth was a promise kept. The greatest promise overcame the greatest pain of mankind. The seed of God destroyed the seed of sin on all mankind. God determined that the seed from heaven would silence the sin of man. The promise of the cross prevailed against the promise of death to come. Powerful statements. All promises that he's kept. See, I love that story in Mark. Good Friday. That's why we gather as a church. That's why people come to church these days. To be reminded of what Jesus did on that moment. To be reminded of the, the pain and the suffering and the things that he went through. For me, a sinner. Let me just say this. This is your first time being here. I'm no different than you. I'm no better than you. I don't have it all together. I don't have it because I'm a preacher preaching. Trust me. My wife will tell you. Right, honey? You'll tell them how good I am all the time, how amazing I am. But it's the truth. I'm no different. But this pierced my heart one day. As a senior in college, broken, lost, caught up in a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. Another time. But he saved me because this message came alive there. That Jesus would take these, these beatings, these bruises, these scars, this crown of thorns, and walk all the way up to this nasty little hill and go to a cross for me. For me. While I was still a sinner, he did it for me. He did it for you. But see, I love that story because there's so many different people in the story. See, you got the guy that's carrying the cross that they grab out of the crowd and say, carry the cross because Jesus couldn't do it anymore. You want to know why? Because he was beaten so bad for you. He couldn't carry it anymore. 
He couldn't do it, so they said, come on. And so a man willingly came and carried the cross all the way up. you got people in the crowd along the streets yelling, screaming, crucify that man. The same man that the week before they're welcoming in. Come on, bro. Come on in. We'll play palm branches down. Let's do this. Let's have a party. Because, see, back then they wanted a king to come in and take over full force, ready to go, military style. And Jesus was never about that. Jesus was filled with compassion, filled with love, filled with peace, filled with truth, filled with grace. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He restored people. He didn't come with a fist ready to fight. That's the God I believe in. So you got people yelling, crucify him. you got people sitting on those streets crying with tears because they saw the miracles. They were part of what he did. They saw all the amazing things, and they loved him. And they said, Jesus, don't go to that cross. Don't do it. I can't take it. I can't watch you do this. you got his family there. you got some of the disciples there. you got people there, mixed crowds, hurling stuff, throwing stuff, spitting on him. Oh, man, those people were bad people. We all do it. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> Great news. We all do it. But you get to a point, or at least I get to a point in that story, where something hits me. See, Jesus is on the cross, and he breathes his last breath. And there's a man there at the cross. A centurion. A soldier. Part of one of the greatest armies of all time. The Italian armies. Lord knows God loves Italians. <laughs> Powerful army. But you know what? That man, he probably was there when they arrested Jesus. He was probably a part of that group that went and grabbed Jesus. That threw him. That kicked him. That spit on him. See, he was probably a part of that group that when they brought Jesus into the place where they were going to start whipping him, he was probably there with them. He actually may have hit him once or twice. See, he was there when they said, you know what, you're a king, here's a crown of thorns, because this is what you deserve. He may have put the thorns on his head, I don't know. We don't know. See, he was there as he was carrying that cross up. He was probably chanting, high-fiving people as he was walking by like, man, look at this. This is going to be awesome. This is what I'm doing. This is my job. I'm here to crucify this man. I don't know what he's done, but I'm here to just crucify him because this is my job. This is my thing to do. Let's go do this. This is fun. He was probably there too as they pierced Jesus' side. As people screamed at him on the cross. And Jesus, with his last breath, with arms open wide on a cross, saying, God, I love them. I love them. These are my people. No matter who they were, no matter what they were doing to me five seconds ago, no matter how much they hate me, no matter how much they've spit on me, I love them. So God, I'm coming back home to you. I'm coming to you. I'm going down to hell to get it, and I'm going to come back and come back and redeem my people. I love them. And that soldier sat there. Can you imagine what was happening with all the soldiers after he said, it's done, and he took his last breath? They were probably so excited, so happy, so rejoiceful that what they were told to do was accomplished. 
And this man, this man looks above and he says, we messed up. That was the son of God. That was the one that put me together in my mother's womb. That was the one that doesn't make mistakes. That was the one that heals people from the bondage, from anger, from resentment, from guilt, from offense, from shame. That was the one. That was the one that brought a dead man to life, that gave sight to the blind. That was the one, and we just crucified him. My God, my God. That man is me. That man's you. Great news, JP. Awesome news on Good Friday. Thank you for sharing that. Great story. But I would be dismissed if I didn't tell you that. I would be wrong if I didn't share that with you. We're that man. See, I'm that man that wants to crucify him every day when I turn my back to him and say, No, God, I got this. No, Jesus, I don't need your wisdom. No, Jesus, I don't need your heart. I got this. See, I hurl insults when I offend people, when I hurt people, when I say some things I shouldn't say, when I do some stuff I shouldn't do, when I'm involved in a scene that I should have never be involved in. I'm putting Jesus back on that cross. But that's the story of grace. It's the amazing thing about grace. See, the moment sin entered mankind, God gave his son Jesus the seed of promise to bring redemption, to conquer death through grace, and to show us an act of supernatural love that has never been seen before. You want me to read that again? You're all quiet tonight. This ain't a quiet church. I'm going to read it again because this is the scandal of grace. This right here is what took that man that put him to the cross and said, that was the son of God. The moment sin entered mankind, God gave his son Jesus the seed of promise to bring redemption, to conquer death through grace, and to show us an act of supernatural love that has never seen before. You can say amen. Those three things are what grabbed a hold of that man. What grabbed a hold of so many. What grabbed a hold of us each and every day. Redemption came for all. See, the garden destroyed us. The garden separated us. But God said, no. Uh-uh. I'm bigger than sin. I'm bigger than that. I got a promise coming. I got a seed coming, and it's going to be Jesus. And he's going to be able to redeem every single person here on earth. See, man's redemption versus God's redemption looks a little different. How many of you know that? When pain happens to us, we want redemption. Hello. Oh, I'm going to get that man. I promise you what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get together with your girlfriends. I don't know why I'm talking like this, but you're like, mm-hmm. He did this to me. He's talking to this. He's doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come get him. Oh, don't sit there, ladies, like you don't do that. Come on. Let's be real here. We're family. You do it. Us men, I don't need, I, we're perfect. Perfect. But see, the world's redemption cries out with anger, violence, rage. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You took something from me, I'm going to take it back from you. That's why we've got people suing each other all the time. It's nonsense. It's crazy. I want what is mine. I want what I deserve. I better get it because you took it from me. You hurt me, I'm going to come hurt you ten times. That's our perception of redemption. Just me? Praise the Lord. Pray for a brother then. 
No, that's how redemption works in this world. I'm going to get my redemption, you hear it. I'm going to make a comeback from where I should be. Man, I missed out on my opportunity, you better believe I'm going to come back. See, God's redemption cries out with a gift. Well, that's good. See, world cries out. Nope, I'm going to get what I deserve. I'm going to get it. And God cries out with redemption with a gift. You hurt me, people. You went against me, people. You sinned, people. Here's a gift. Try that next time when you're in a fight with your spouse. I love you. Here's a gift. I hurt you. Here's a gift. That's backwards. Is that just me? That is backwards. Because God doesn't operate the way we do. God doesn't think the same way we do. God doesn't love the same way we love. Thank God for that. God so loved the world that he gave a gift. His one and only son. I'm not a father. But what if I ever become one and we have the opportunity because I'm praying that we get all boys, not girls. Because it's been prayed over us that we're going to get all girls. Lord, help me. Just let me have a minute here. Someone just said amen. We need to pray in this moment. But if I had a son, I'm not giving him up for you. Mm -mm. I'm not letting my son go to the cross for you, for me. He's my son. He's my one and only. Some of you are parents in here and you resonate with that. You're not going to let your son go, go do that. Now, we have amazing people that serve in our military and give their lives day in and out. We should be appreciative of that. Amen. But I'm not going to give them to redeem the sin that's in you, in me. But Jesus said, that's not how my redemption worked. My redemption worked by I'm going to send my one and only son, most precious gift of all, Jesus. See, in 1 Peter 4, 18 through 20 says this. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. You weren't paid for by some coins, by some money. You were paid for with a life. A life. A perfect life. A perfect person that lived with no sin. And he went to the cross, arms open, to take your sin. To take my sin. Because God doesn't operate the same way we do. See, if I'm in that position and he asks for my son, I'm handing him as much money as I have. Take all the money in the world. I ain't giving you my son. Uh-uh. And the scriptures tell us, no, we needed blood. We needed blood to wash over us to cleanse us, to purify us, to redeem us. The other thing I get from that story is our death, my death, was conquered through grace. My death was conquered through grace. Grace is getting something we never deserved. If you said, oh, I'm just giving you grace, grace is legitimately, the definition is getting something we never deserved. That's how God operates in grace. We didn't deserve this. If you all sitting there like, man, I deserved it. He should have went to that cross for me. Adam and Eve screwed it up for me. I'm stuck here. He placed me on this earth with sin. That's the God he is. God doesn't control nobody. He didn't mess up nobody. I promise you. 
He doesn't control you. But if you think, man, they screwed it up for me. No. No, we screw it up. But his death calls out for grace. That cross calls out for grace. See, I should have hung there. See, that soldier should have hung there. That Roman soldier, he should have probably been up on that cross. He should have been hanging there with thorns, with uh, nails in his hands, with the thorns on his head, with the, in his feet. He should have been the one. I should have been the one. But God's love, it's a message that has resonated through time and time and time again. If you don't believe it, I said this last night, and this may not make sense, so forgive me. You know, people try to disprove God all the time. They try to disprove his word. They try to disprove what he's done. It's the longest debate of all time. It's the longest thing that people have tried to disprove the longest. There's nothing longer. Why is that? Because it's so real that people don't want to receive it because they walk into his presence with shame. They walk into him with guilt. They walk into him saying, I'm not valuable enough, God. So I better just not believe it. Why is it that God has been the longest debate of all time? Because his love is so great. Because people can't put words to it. People can't describe it. And when we can't understand it, and when we can't feel it in the natural, we don't want it. But his death gave us the grace. That promise that was to come was a promise of grace. That seed that was buried from the very beginning of time from God was a promise that a seed was going to come up to being Jesus and he was going to go to that cross so that you could have grace. Getting something you don't deserve. So you could walk in freedom. So you could walk without pain. So you could say, hey, you know what? This relationship is harmful. I can step out of this and move forward. Hey, you know what, God? I'm not where I should be, but you're going to take me to where you want me to go. Hey, God, I may not make all the right decisions, but I want to wake up every day serving you, loving you, trusting that your spirit's going to move in me. Do I got to preach or you want to say amen something? This is the greatest love story ever told. A dude that didn't deserve it went to a cross for me. My wife can't love me that way. Your spouse can't love you that way. Your kids can't love you that way. I love her to death. I would go and do anything for her. But she can't take my pain. She can't take my sin. She can't do anything. She can't fix me. Oh, you complete me. No, they don't. Stop lying. They may compliment you. But they don't complete you. God completes you. Jesus' cross completes you. Jesus' cross puts back together what is so messed up, so jacked up in you, and he just puts it back together because that's the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to finish. We're almost done. You're like, praise the Lord. That's what the band wants to come up. Don't worry about them. They're going to get in place. This is the moment where everybody goes like this. Focus here for a sec. See the cross. Is where supernatural love came in place of natural love. See, the scriptures talk a lot about love. And the greatest context, the greatest word, I guess, is the proper way to say it. And it's agape love. It's love that, you know, I said in the beginning, love doesn't have a definition. You can't really define what love is. Love looks different to everybody. It's the truth. But God's love is the same for everybody. Did you catch that? 
God's love is the same for you, for you, for me. Agape love. See, mankind's love, the natural love, is you give me love, I'll give you love. It's the truth. As human beings, it's like, hey, listen, I ain't loving you unless you give me love. I'm not going to serve you unless you serve me. I'm not going to give to you unless you give to me. You, you guys are with me on this. This is truth. This is, this is the reality that we live in. Mankind's love is, hey, I'm not loving you unless you love me back. And not necessarily a bad thing when it comes to being in love with somebody. I hope you marry somebody that loves you back. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. But it's the natural love that we always want to experience. And agape love, the supernatural, which is a weird word that some people are like, oh, this church is about the supernatural. I'm out. It's the truth, though. See, supernatural love is you come as you are. You just come as you are. And you just sit at my feet. And you just soak me up. You soak my presence up. Because I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've walked through. I don't care what choices you made. Agape love is come as you are. See, we don't cheapen that. Well, that's just an excuse to do whatever I want. No, it's not. Because the more you experience it, the less you want to do that stuff. Oh, hello. That'll preach all day. The more you want agape love, the more you desire it, the more you sit at his feet, you don't want to go back to that life you had. You don't want to touch the things that you had. You don't want to be involved in the things you've done. You don't want the relationships that you had. Agape love is just come as you are. See that cross? Emotions, it's the flowers, allergies, just like catching me. Agape love said, JP, come as you are to me. Religion doesn't matter. Doing acts to get close to me, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about doing X, Y, and Z to get in my presence. I'm just about you coming into my presence. Raw, real. See, there's a saying we all know. Man may not know what you do, but God knows what you do. So he already knows. He already knows what you've done. <laughs> he already knows what you're doing right now. And he still says, come. Because that cross, that cross thousands of years ago that Jesus went and bled for you, that cross says, come as you are, child. Let me give you a life. You think your life's good? Get with Jesus. You think your life has some happiness? Get some joy. You think your life has some peace? Get some supernatural peace. Ain't no job, ain't no bank account. Ain't, I'm saying ain't. That's terrible language to say. No job, no bank account. No happy life, happy wife. None of that's going to fix you. None of that's going to restore you. None of that's going to pull out the bondage in your brains that has been put there by the evil one, by Satan. We preach Jesus. We believe in Satan in this church. No, agape love says, come as you are, church. Come as you are, son. Come as you are, daughter. Let me put you back together. See, Jesus didn't die, have to die. He never had to leave his throne in heaven. How good was heaven? I want to ask him that. Hey, Jesus, um, when I get there one day, Lord willing. Hey, Jesus, um, how good was it before you came to earth? I mean, like, how many rounds of golf did you play up here? Because that's what we all think heaven's like. 
How big was the mansion in heaven? Because that's what we all think heaven's like. Maybe it is. I don't know. I have no idea. But how good was heaven before you came to earth? And you know what he's going to say? It was awesome because I was in God's presence. But I left that presence, the purest presence you could ever be in. I left that to come down for you. Supernatural love takes a tomb and leaves it empty. Supernatural love, see the story goes that the cross was there, but that wasn't the only work. That's not what we celebrated. And we can't have Easter service, so I'm giving you the end. That empty tomb that Jesus went and spent three days there, the seed of promise was already in that tomb, bouncing around in there, waiting, waiting, waiting to give birth. And on that third day, Jesus said, "Uh uh-huh, I'm done, it's over, victory's won, I'm out, I'm out. He came out, he spent 40 days on earth and then he ascended back up to heaven and he's sitting at the Father back in his presence saying each and every time that you guys feel like he's not there, he's whispering to his Father saying, that's mine, he's mine, she's mine, I love them, they love me, they love me, I love them, they haven't done too much, Father, see this, God, see this. They're mine, God. I didn't go to that cross. I didn't leave your presence just for them to screw up, to mess up, to not have a promise. They're mine. That's good news, church. God is hearing the voice of Jesus when it comes to you. There's no other God. There's no other thing out there. There's no other idol that is speaking to God. Jesus is speaking to him on behalf of you. That's agape love. That's a supernatural love. The empty tomb. It's our hope. It's our promise. It's faith. Can't see it? It's all right. Can't feel it? It's all right. His Holy Spirit's with us. And He's speaking to us. And He's telling us, I love you. I love you. The name of Jesus is powerful. It's a beautiful name. It's a name above every name. It's at that name that every knee will bow. See, when you get this story of the greatest love story ever told, you don't want another love story. You don't want Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Oh, I just get them. No, no, you want Jesus. You want Jesus, like I said, because he's the one that can heal you when you're broken. He's the one that can fix you when you're far. He's the one that can call you back to his presence, to his heart. And say, no, my son, my daughter, I'm not displeased with you. I'm pleased with you. Just come to me. His name is above every name. There's no rival to Jesus' name. When you call upon the name of Jesus, when you declare Jesus, his presence starts to move on your behalf. His grace starts to move. That cross demanded it. That empty tomb demands it. He loves you. He's never against you. You could say amen, church. So we're going to sing it. We're going to shout it. Because the name of Jesus is above all names. The seed of promise that was to come, it came. It conquered the grave. So you can put your hands together for Jesus. You can sing out loud for Jesus. There is no other name. There is no rival. Stand your feet. Let's sing.